Welcome to the Fast Lane. Nick Miles is our auto expert. So drop it into gear. You've got a green flag. Here's Nick. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast. This is the world's car radio show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone, and on smart speaker. This is our auto expert, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with Trigger Automatic Andy. And how's your week, man? Nick, Nick, hi. <laughs> Nick, it's Nick. It's a pleasure to see you today. It, oh wow! And every the other you're, days, you're very well spoken today. Um, there's a lot going on this week in the automotive world, Andy. There is uh, new laws coming in. I, do I have to put my hand? Am I being detained? Yeah, you should be. Uh, crimes against the automotive industry. No, there there is new laws. Um, the government has seen fit. Uh, to change what we get credited for electric cars. What? Yeah. Uh, this Reduction of Inflation Act, so-called, uh, is. it looks initially like a good deal for electric car owners, but it's not. I just I just need to tell you something real quick. Okay, I go. read the laws and everything yeah. like 11 times. Yeah. And I still wholeheartedly, sincerely, I don't get it other than... Other than now, we don't get any money. <laughs> well, it's let's just say, let's skim the top. Let's take it as it just came from the cow. All right. And it's sitting in the pail. We'll take the cream off the top. <laughs> you don't like the cream? No, no, it's not. I don't, this analogy, okay. no, thank you. Let's take the, uh, uh, what do you like? I like pudding. What? Sometimes it's got cream in it. So when the fat rises to the top, we're going to strain it. Yeah, yeah. So the good parts are car companies who got in early, like General Motors, Ford, Toyota, uh, into the electric car game, whose credits have expired or are about to expire, Tesla, if they're your choosing, they'll get their credits back. Ford, Nissan, and uh, G. Uh, Ford, Nissan, and Toyota are about to lose their credits, but that's going to be reversed. They're the federal tax credits, which we would, as consumers, benefit from. Does the government think this is a game? Uh, no, the, you know these guys got in early. They've been doing plug-in electric cars with batteries for a while, and they had a cap of two hundred thousand. Most of them have met that cap, and so they then were had those reduced. Those numbers were reduced. But ultimately, uh, it looks good, right? That looks good. They're coming back into the fold. You could get credit if you bought one of their vehicles. Okay. That's the good news. The bad news is that other car companies who have spent a long time trying to get into the game and have been making huge shifts whose vehicles, because of scale, are not being manufactured in the US, but are planning to build all their factories here. They were shifting them slowly here and buying land, getting ready to build factories. They're suddenly out of the game in a stroke of a pen in, in 30 seconds. So companies like Kia and Hyundai and Genesis, where their vehicles are built outside the U.S., um, but they are building factories here, 
you're done. You're out. And by the way, if you were ready to buy one, um, too bad. Unless you have already have a contract, you're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I'm not quite sure. I have to get down, and we'll be talking about this today, whether or not you bought one this year, whether you get credited, you may get credited for it this year. But there's more. If you There's income caps. Oh, come on. So if you earn too much money, you are exempt. And if the vehicle costs more than $55,000 for a, a, a car uh-huh. and $80,000 for an SUV, you're out. What? And you tell me electric cars, you know, a lot of electric cars are more expensive than that. So you're being penalized if you have to have a bigger vehicle because you have a bigger family. Um, what in the and fine wait, print? Wait, if you earn a certain amount of money, you're out. Now, that's fine because the average person should get the tax credit. I get that. But ultimately, those people who have built up a, you know, an income, a larger income, and have gone over the income cap, they are the early adopters. They're the people that are getting into the game and have been encouraged to get into the game by electric, you know, by the opportunity of there was a federal tax credit. The people who are not able to get into the game, to afford to get into the game, now, why would they need to or want to get into the game anyway? Because it still doesn't change the price or availability. In fact, it cuts a lot of these vehicles out. Like, there's a lot less vehicles available for the federal tax rates. Now, more people are going to be chasing less vehicles available. And we already have availability issues. There is already problems with these vehicles being less available. Now, it's good that these vehicles have to be made in the United States. And the batteries, the metals and the batteries, have to come from certain natures or uh, certain uh, countries. I get that. That's great. But don't make it at a sweep of a pen that everybody's out of the game. When people spent years moving money, moving factories to be in the United States, suddenly at the sweep of a pen, everybody's done. I'm upset. Yeah, I think I, I think it's great that we're moving to the everyman opportunity. But at the sweep of a pen, people who have spent millions following government policy, billions in some cases, are out of the game. Just, just a leg of that. Yep. Done. So it's sad. Read the fine print, kid. Yeah. Now it's good to see companies like Ford and Jeep and their vehicles and General Motors because they're built in in North America. I mean, some are built in Mexico and Canada, but they, I would wrap that into the, being an American. Yeah, I mean, it's it, North American. That too. They're, they're being they're counted. You can now get the tax credit on those. But the tax credit's split into two, so the battery makes up half of the 7,500, and the cars, where the cars manufactured, makes up the other half. It, but then your income makes up, and then your household income makes the other half. It's complicated. And fuming. Then you're going to need a piece of software to put in how much you make, what vehicle you're looking at, how much your household makes. But people in California are going to be punished. Well, I'm not horribly mad at that. Well, but I am. You shouldn't be punished for where you live. It's true. 
you shouldn't be punished for where you live because the average income is higher in California because it costs more to live there. And so those people in California are going to be punished because they were early adopters of vehicles and their average transaction price for a vehicle is higher. Therefore, they buy more expensive vehicles. Therefore, their income level is higher. Therefore, they're going to be punished. They're well, not going to get the tax credits. Man, I uh, I hope they, they find a reason to stay in California and everything works out good for well, them. Well, I'm sure Texas doesn't want them anymore. They've got enough of them. So it's super complicated, and we'll try and explain as much as we can. Anton Woolman's going to be here at the last part of the show for half an hour to try and explain the best he can uh, for a lot of people. But the tax credits... <laughs> I get lost in his segments, to be honest with you. I, I'm sorry. I just, in my head, that it just seems so funny because I'm so bad at math. I'm like the immovable math force. And then here comes Anton, like a genius. We'll see how this goes. We all sit there. I have to listen to his segments back. You are going to talk about the Toyota Versa. Avenza, sorry. Yeah, there's a few things going on in that car. In Toyota, I apologize now. Oh, magic roof. Yeah. Uh, Mike's got some tips because we can't afford electric cars anymore to buy uh, used cars. I know. His, yeah. I talked to him about his list. His list is fun. Um, Paul uh, Paul uh, Dreischer is going to tell us about future technologies of these cars that you know see for themselves and do autonomous driving and explain some of the science behind that. Right? There, yeah. There. So they have. There's kind of like a, a bar set for that already, right? And yeah. they're trying to not cut corners isn't the right word but tighten up everything like if, if, if cars if right now we have the best reaction time at 100 feet they're working at 50 oh you know what i'm saying right so they're they're trying to propel the reaction time forward and then something i'm really passionate about um this juice america uh, Ju- uh, juice america inc uh this company no it's not something you drink it's not a smoothie machine? No. Uh, these guys have a charger for your electric car in the house, which I have been using one for uh, about six months to a year, and it charges my car in about double the time because they have found a way to pull the maximum amount of ampage off of the wall, uh, whereas most chargers don't do that. Yeah, they're using some Marvel Cinematic Universe magic in yeah. this. I got questions for this guy. Yeah, I mean, I plug my car in, it charges twice as fast as my other chargers. I mean, testing other chargers. It's magic. And by the way, you can run over it with a tank. We and did. Still, yeah. Well, you trod on it, but it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> it was fine. Uh, want to let you know that O'Reilly Auto Parts is here to keep your car on the road uh, with the right parts, advice from their professional parts people and their free loaner uh, tool program. There's no need to purchase a tool if you're only going to use it once. The Your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store has more than 80 specialty tools available f- to rent for your next repair. Refundable deposits required at the time of rental. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts uh, today and ask about your free loaner tool program or visit o'reillyauto.com and in that list of tools automatic andy is not one of them so uh, you can't rent him you can't get simple stuff i found out oh they did not want to hand me a screwdriver yeah you've tried that before why do I you just keep need going back once. because maybe i'll get a different associate this is our auto expert where two million people get their automotive daily download 
about a warranty. Like, will you guys provide an extended warranty if it's a used vehicle? Because nine times out of ten, they're going to say yes to get the deal. They'll give you an extended warranty, and they'll ship the vehicle at no cost to you. So let's say you get through those um, two different tips. Tip number three is now you're going to negotiate that price. Am I on three or am I on four? I'm going so fast. <laughs> you're a numero quattro, sir. There you go. So so you are. So your fourth tip is going to be now you're ready to negotiate that price, right? You've now got your shipping if it's out of your state. You've now got the price at where you want it to be. So you negotiate it in and you wait. This is the biggest tip I can give anybody is that if a dealer says, look, we're locked at $40, $47,000 and you come in at forty five. Let them sit for a day. Let them sit for two days, and they will come back to you, and they will say, hey, are you still interested? Or, hey, we're able to drop the price to 46 so you meet in the middle. So that uh, you got to let them wait. So people are so quick to jump on a vehicle because they're excited about it. Then the last tip, and it's, it, it's an important tip as well, is be, be okay with walking away. There's so many cars out there in the market. You're going to be able to find the car you want. You just have to be patient. And know if you're set at forty six or forty seven thousand dollars or whatever that price is, you've got to be able to walk away. And in that those five steps I used for the most recent car I helped somebody buy, saved them six thousand dollars with the vehicle shipped with a certified premium warranty on the vehicle. Man. There you go. Man, where were you three years ago? <laughs> I, I literally every I single thing that you just said, Mike, I did the opposite of. When I sat down, the guy said it's this price. I said, Great, wrap it up. Let me have it. Didn't ask him about yep. anything. The only redeeming quality that I had was that I had someone that was way out of my league attractive, so he kind of fixated on her, and I got a better price. So there you go. maybe number six, bring someone pretty. Bring somebody <laughs> pretty that will divert the attention away from the vehicle purchase. Well, how do you do that if you're out of state? Wait a minute. Well, if you can sh- shipping, flights. Yeah. No, you have to fly out there? That, that. I mean, if 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 I can spend send 500 him pictures. Bucks, yeah, if I can send then you don't really bucks. have to be with them. Well, you can yeah. send them pictures of anyone. Right, you can face This is where them. your your whole strategy Andy falls apart. That's what I'm saying. A five hundred dollars right. Spirit Airline ticket could be worth three no. or four grand. You know, uh, <laughs> if that's all, if that is your number six, I'm going to stick the number five. My five <laughs> yeah. Five. Well, mine I'm didn't work at all. Those. Yeah, no, yours no, are way better. Work. <laughs> they work. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, I'm in the process of doing that right now. I have a vehicle that will run a certain price, about ten grand more than I want to pay, and I was able to find that vehicle, lock it in at a price, about ten grand less than than what the market value is here in wow. Nashville. Wow. That's a, that's a really big reduction. What are you doing with the extra ten grand? The kids getting something nice? No, it's <laughs> in the bank. Sorry kids. Sorry, kids. <laughs> Not free money. Awesome. Um, Mike, That those are good tips. I'd like to uh, also, I think what we should do is, uh, your lease is about up, isn't it, Andy? Yeah. Uh, Andy has a 2017? I have a 2017 Hyundai Accent. Yeah. It is the most efficient thing I've yeah, ever Yeah, it's efficient, but uh, his man card got turned in the day he picked it up. So yeah. he has a single mom car, uh, Mike. I think we have to get him something cool, don't you? I would love to negotiate that and do it. That would be a fun video radio series on how to negotiate a deal and see what we can do. But let you got to let me do it, Mike. We might and, mess, I might mess around and do. be owed money after this. Yeah. You get a free car plus five hundred bucks. Yeah, this is a whole there video series. What deal can we get? If it has a throttle, they'll feature it. This is our auto expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show on our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all the past shows. Um, also, you can check out our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter feeds and start a conversation with us. Ask us a car question, just direct messages.
us at our auto expert. It's where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. Uh, I think uh, it just got to a year since I've actually physically owned an electric car. Um, which has been a really changing experience. I mean, I've been driving them for about 10, 12, 15 years or so yeah. since they used to have to truck them down to this to uh, the Our Auto Expert uh, headquarters and um, then drive them back to Seattle on a truck when they brought them down to us. Mm. Um, uh, it's just because nobody could charge them, and we've come a long way in charging. Uh, when I bought my last electric car, um, the car company provided a charger that goes into the wall, mm-hmm. and we had the new studio complex wired with an electric panel um, to plug them in. And so we drive the cars into the studio. We plug them in. Um, no big deal. No big deal. Um, so people come into the studios now and they see all these electric cars plugged in uh, because we have, you know, we, we own them. Nick's house is like the Avenger Tower. <laughs> if it's not underground, you don't come into the studios underground, do don't, you? Don't let them. It's just like the Tony Stark Tower. <laughs> and... Uh, one of the things that's got me pretty excited, it doesn't, it's so weird, the things that get me excited. They're not uh, what a lot of people get excited about, but it's chargers. So a lot of charging companies <laughs> send me like these new chargers and, you know, we mount them on the wall, we test them out. Um, but we got a charger uh, last year and that we tested out and it was sort of a European prototype charger um, from uh, Juice America. And now that finally, you know, COVID has slowed things down a little bit, but they have this charger available. And out of all the chargers that we've tested, which one do I always want to plug them into, Andy? The the juice one. Yeah. It's the nicest one. It, it is. And there's several cool things about it, but I'm not going to tell you everything because I want Michael to tell you about it. But it first of all, it displays how many amps it's pulling from the wall. So a lot of our chargers, um, even though they say they... Uh, they pull the full amount of power from the wall. They only do half or less than half or sometimes a little more than half. Um, But this pulls the full amount of uh, power from the wall. But the coolest thing about this charger is, at least in the prototypes, I'm not sure if it's true with the the actual sale model is, you can drive a tank over it. Who doesn't (laughs) want a charger that you can drive a tank over? The only downside to this is, we don't have a tank. <laughs> so, and you can throw it over. Why don't we introduce Michael? Michael uh, Boehm is the general manager from Juice, uh, Juice Americas, Inc. The, uh, the product is now available or is, is you can actually now get it. Michael, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much. How are you doing? Good. Uh, am I a little too excited about your product? Nick has been looking no, forward to this so no, long. Not, not at all. I'm, I'm, I'm the same excited as you are. And I'm especially <laughs> excited that finally we have it on the market. It has been long enough. Uh, so you've been developing this for a while now. Um, and it's not just a charger for electric cars, is it? It's sort of a little bit more. It is a little bit more, and actually, besides electric cars, there are uh, construction equipments, there is electric boats, there are uh, a lot of outdoorsy uh, companies that are very, very much interested in our charger, because it is rugged, it is waterproof, you can run over with a tank or anything smaller over it, so it, it really appeals very much to 
to a big array of different uh, companies making electric equipment or making electric cars. So let's start, Michael, with what makes it different than the average charger that you get with your electric car or that you can buy off from the market today. Well, the biggest difference is it's really a, a fully fledged wall charger and a portable charger in one. So it comes with a wall bracket. You put the wall bracket on the wall, you plug it in of a 50 amp outlet. And as you mentioned before, it charges as fast as any different wall charger. And then it, it, it really pulls out all the, the power that's available from the outlet. It pulls it out and puts it in your car. All right. Now, if you are going somewhere, there's no need to buy a second charger. What you do is you take it out of the wall bracket, you put it in the carry case that, that comes with it, and you take it with you. I didn't see the carry um, case. It comes with a carry case. It comes standard with a NEMA 1450 uh, adapter uh, that you know, allows for the fastest charging. But it also comes standard with a NEMA 515 uh, adapter, which is basically your everyday household outlet. So you can plug it in wherever. I love this idea. So how long did it take you to come up with the logistics of this sort of portable and fixed and portable charger together? Well, actually, our company is about eight years old, and when our owner uh, got his first Tesla and the charger came with the Tesla, first didn't work in Switzerland, and then the, when he made it work, it melted the outlet. Huh. Uh, he thought, that's absolutely ridiculous. I need to come up with something, something better. And that was basically the beginning of our company. It was the beginning of the very first uh, booster we made. Now, the one with the current tube with mil-spec aluminum is probably was launched in 2016 and is uh, worldwide pretty much the most sold portable charger there is. Wow. Um, and it works on all EVs? I'm sorry? Does it work on all EVs? It does work on all EVs, Absolutely. So uh, we have been testing it. It, it. You know, in Europe, basically every everyone has been tested. It. Here in the United States, so far, our J Plus boosted too. Uh, we have been testing it all the way from a, from a little chic Fiat 500 electric uh, all the way up to the mighty Hummer, and nice. it works very well. Nice. Now, obviously, as you know, as it has a J1772 plug, if you're driving a Tesla, you will need your adapter. Yeah. That uh, that changed over from from the Tesla outlets to the J one seven seven two. Now, I mean, for the, the tests I did last year or the last first six months, I mean, it's charging about the rate it charges my vehicle is a lot faster than the regular chargers that came with my Ford. Um, but apart from that, the 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 solidness, the uh, charge, the portable, all the things that this this comes with. Do you what implications do you think it's going to have on the market? I think it, we hope it has a big impact because it really, it takes, it takes range anxiety. It takes charging anxiety out of the charging. You know, you have it at home. It's a fully fledged charger. You use it as a regular wall charger. You go somewhere, you take it out of the bracket. You take it with you. If you want, you can uh, buy some uh, adapters uh, for different outlets. So basically, wherever you're going, you just know you can charge. 
you can be somewhere on Route 66, you know, with all the gas pumps from the 50s that are no longer in operation. If there is power, you theoretically could charge. Wow. And now you've landed this six, you've landed this exclusive deal with uh, BMW, and congratulations on that. Um, you know, what? Does any does it work? Do, have you got sort of deals with anyone else? Um, are you doing deals with other companies? Are there other companies that are seeing what you're doing and getting excited about it? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, for example, in Europe, the competitors of BMW, you know, the guys with the star on the hood. <laughs> yeah, uh, those guys. They, they are. Yeah, exactly. They they are using us as well. And BMW, they actually, they are using us in their own factory and in their R&D labs. Wow, that's so amazing. So our charger is their, their technician's favorite charger that they have. I like, well, here that... in the United States, here in the United States, you know, I'm luckily I cannot really, uh, give you any names because we are signing all okay. these fancy non-disclosure agreements. Yeah. But I can tell you that pretty much everybody in the United States is looking at us or already have some prototypes or early uh, series mm. um, to the testing with. Interesting. All right. Before we run out of time, Michael, uh, how much does it cost and where can people go to find out more information and get one? Well, actually, if you hurry up, you still manage to get it with our introduction price, which is 699 and you do find us on Amazon. So how much would it be without the introduction price? Uh, MSRP is going to be somewhere around uh, 849 Oh. You know what, though? When you're looking down the barrel of having to wait for a charger and your baby's crying and you got to go get your, your Chinese food that's ready to pick up, that $800 is going to save you so much time. It does me. I mean, half the time it charges. How long does it normally save you in charging the fact that you, I mean, it works so much better than a lot of the other chargers out there? You know, it, it always depends obviously on battery size, but it usually would take you between four and six hours to completely charge your battery. Wow. Nick, we need to call dibs on a on like a third party customizable company because they're about the size of your forearm. And that's a lot of things that you can do with paint and ceramics. Well, are they customizable? Can you do they come in different colors? You know, if you want 3,000 pieces or more, we would white label from you with your color, with your logo, with your emblem, whatever you need. Oh. If you just need one, you can have them in whatever color you want, as long as it's gunmetal gray. Sold. Oh. <laughs> ah, it's it. like the Ford Model T. Ah. They come in. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now, what we will have are some, some skins, some vinyl wraps. Oh, that right. you can, you know, you can uh, put some fancy vinyl wraps on them. I personally, you know, you lose a little bit the, the nice aluminum feel that you have when you touch it, but it definitely makes them cool. It is clean the way it looks. It does. Um, and they, these are originally made out of aircraft, aluminum aircraft parts, right? But probably now that you've uh, you've sourced the parts from, uh, from somewhere else. Yeah, well... This is where 2 million Americans get their automotive information daily. Our auto expert. Over 20,000 people have downloaded our auto expert podcast and many more streamers. Join the happy listeners on uh, Apple Podcasts. And, of course, you can hear Automatic Andy, who's a whole bunch of fun. I'm Nick Miles. This is our auto expert radio show podcast where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily from ouroautoexpert.com. A lot happening in the news. Uh, the peripheral news is uh, Ford's Autobanks are back open. The new Ford Maverick has 
there's a new trim level in the Tremor trim level, which you can get on the Lariat uh, trim, and you can also get it on uh, their top trims. The Tremor trim, Tremor trim level, Tremor trim level, is uh, this sort of off-roading trim level where it has a much better ingress and egress um, at the front depart entry and departure angle uh, they've changed that they've given it to blacked out ford logos they've also given it its own grill it has this sort of orange uh, striping on it it has a much better off-road capability it can tow uh, so there's a new maverick now that you can get um, and there's also a brand new bronco version that has come out in the heritage and heritage limited edition broncos not only the full-size bronco but the bronco sport gets that uh, and that's a throwback to the 1960s where they have these bright colors like robin eggs robin's egg blue the bright red the bright yellow um, so it looks like the original bronco the thing that was hilarious to me is the brand managers who are presenting this were both born in the 1980s and they're saying check it out 1960s bronco isn't it cool and i'm like you have no idea you were born in the 1980s so um it's like just super super interesting um i know it's crazy i i don't nick that was i'm first of all i'm dizzy second of all that was that was a lot of info i wasn't around in the 60s i'll you know what i incorporate the bronco with oj uh, everybody goes there immediately, OJ thing. But here's the biggest news. All right. The uh, proposed uh, tax credit for the up to uh, $7,500 for electric vehicles under the Inflation Reduction Act could be actually counterproductive for sales of EVs, according to several companies and groups representing uh, major automakers such as General Motors, Toyota and Ford. The new rules could raise uh, a sales threshold for qualifications, but would also impose materials sourcing problems and pricing problems uh, for those people who are already getting ready to buy electric vehicles. The federal government has has also uh, said they will do a used EV tax credit as a tool to promote the adoption of electric vehicles and lower the U.S. Uh, automotive industry's reliance on fossil fuels. Now, electric vehicles are currently uh, far pricier than their gasoline counterparts, but due to the expensive batteries needed to power those vehicles, automakers have relied on the credits to assist in lowering the price on vehicles for consumers. However, the cost of lithium and cobalt needed for those batteries have soared recently. Now, opponents of the new guidelines uh, and the contents uh, of those guidelines that have changed the pricing and the rules for the crucial uh, raw material rules have said that this law is going to be too aggressive and could result in most EVs falling out of qualifications for the federal government's incentives at a uh, little lower price uh, and unlike under the current criteria vehicles would have to be produced in north america to qualify for the credits supporters of the new rules say they will wear 
they will uh, be very wary of those uh, this bill if it actually comes down. Now, it does do some interesting things. It does uh, sort of protect us specifically from China and uh, them owning production of things like those precious minerals. Now, a goal for the Biden administration was to take China out of the playing. The Democrats uh, spearheaded a $430 billion Inflation Reduction Act. It was passed by the U.S. Senate uh, a little while ago and is expected to go through without any problems so far. But there is a lot of squealing from uh, people saying that this actually could be bad for the auto industry in general, especially if we're trying to make the transition to electric cars. The Alliance for Automotive Innovation, which represents automakers producing nearly 98% of cars and light trucks sold in the U.S., believes 70% of electric vehicles currently sold in the U.S. would be ineligible for the tax credit upon passage of this bill. Unfortunately, the EV tax credit requirements will still make most vehicles immediately ineligible for the incentive. That misses opportunity at a crucial time as uh, we're really changing to go into the electric vehicle era. And this is getting a lot of people upset. Now, unless you have a and the bill, quite complicated, you have to uh, really dig down and get the understanding of the bill as we start to sort of pour through it. Unless you already have a contract in place to buy these vehicles um, and the bill goes into action, you will be ineligible for the original $7,500 tax credit. Um, now, there are several stages in time that will go into play. Uh, not all of these contingents happen immediately, especially where the vehicle is manufactured and where the battery is manufactured. Um, there needs to be some kind of table that shows what vehicles are going to be uh, able to partake of tax credits and what aren't. Uh, also, certain states are going to be treated slightly differently, not in the bill as general, but you'll see the average transaction price in certain different states is higher for electric vehicles than others, and that's because incomes change. So it tends to be quite complicated that those states will actually be punished a little bit more because they tend to buy more expensive vehicles because their standard of living tends to be higher. So it gets more and more complicated the more and more you burrow down into this new bill. Uh, we've only had it for a short amount of time, and we have to look at it. Um, not every automaker also makes all the information that you need to translate this bill available. For instance, what components are made where for their vehicles and what components from the battery come from what country, for instance, the rare metals. Uh, they have to come from certain countries to make the vehicle eligible for all of those tax credits. And now you can start to see the complicated layers of all of this as we burrow down to see exactly what is eligible for the tax credit and what isn't eligible for the tax credit. It does mean that 
that uh, used vehicles uh, in the electric market will be eligible for uh, some kind of federal tax credit, which is good news for those people looking to get into the bottom of the market. And it also means that companies like Tesla and General Motors will be back into the game of being able to get federal tax credits and companies who are about to lose their federal tax credits like Ford, like Toyota, um, they are also going to be back into the game as well, which is good news for them. And that also, by the way, includes Nissan. Confused? You should be. Welcome to the Fast Lane. Nick Miles is our auto expert. So drop it into gear. You've got a green flag. Here's Nick. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast. This is the World's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone, and on smart speaker. This is our auto expert where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm Nick Miles, along with Automatic Andy. Yeah. Um, you have never ridden in a fully autonomous car have you no the best i got was close your eyes and pray that's <laughs> when, the best uh, i don't even want to ask what <laughs> happened there probably that scares me a little more i've uh i've ridden in several autonomous cars off-road right. um fully autonomous and i rode in my first fully autonomous car on public highways uh this year Okay. In the U.S. and in Germany. Oi. And Germany gets a level three autonomous car on the roads at the end of this year, beginning of next. And the U.S. is testing already um, and expected to get California, I think, and Nevada this year. But it starts to get highly complicated. There is ethics, there is legal, and then there is the whole science thing. You know that thing with the Bunsen burners and the... Yeah, they carry yeah. the two usually. Yeah, carry the two, multiply the three. Um, the, which is funny because we're both scientists, which is <laughs> the way we uh, apply to it. Although we both come from a background of medicine, which is slightly different. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Um, so you drove on the left and right side of the road. No. Germany drives on the right side? Germany is the same as the US. Yeah, it is. They got it right. All right, yeah, they did. The, the British got it left. How was the how was the sensors on the car? Amazing. Did it pick they, up everything? Yeah, so in Germany, when I did it with Mercedes, they had a simulation of a police car come flying by in traffic. And in Germany, you don't have to pull over um, for a police car. You have to get over in your lane, but you don't have to get out of your lane. So you have to pull, depending on what lane you're in, you have to pull to the side of your lane so the police car can split lanes. And so the autonomous car has to act slightly different in Germany. It has to pull to the side of your lane, but you stay in your lane. And so if you're in the right lane, you pull to the right of your lane. If you're in the left lane, you pull to the left of your lane. So the police car can split lanes. And that's what the autonomous car did. It was crazy. Whereas in the States, you have to pull over and stop. Oh, that's too much. I would just have to take the ticket. Yeah. That's too much. <laughs> well, just... yeah, autonomous cars have no choice. Anyway, we could get into this very deep. Um, but we're not going to because somebody else is going to get deep for us. <laughs> uh, Paul Dreischler, uh, Dre Dreischer? Is that, am I saying it right, Andy? I think Dreisch. Dreisch. Is that how you say your last name, Paul? Yeah, yeah, right. it's kind of a harsh German pronunciation. Uh, but you're not a harsh German. You're, 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 <laughs> no. uh, Paul, you uh, you sound like a gentleman who has far more knowledge than uh, both Andy and I because the autonomous car is just getting more and more complicated because of the, uh, I guess, 
we're looking at not only how deep you go. It used to be we were looking 100 feet out. We were looking much further out. Um, and now uh, everybody's refining it more and more. Uh, your, your company is uh, Preact Technologies. Um, and one of the things that we're starting to talk about is why does software define uh, why does software define vehicles? Um, why are they really part of the automotive future? It, it used to be, is it lidar? Is it radar? But is, is it much more about software now? Uh, yes, ab absolutely. And it's, I mean, it's kind of both. I mean, it's it allows you to. Um, continue to iterate, you know, on the product as it goes and, you know, improve over time, add new features, um, fix problems, you know, um, you know, Tesla's a great example. They're, they're always pushing the boundary on their new technology. And if it's not perfect, they can fix it over the air. And that's, you know, by definition, you know, software definable vehicle. I mean, that, that's also great. I, I have a Ford Mark EGT Performance Edition, and if anything doesn't work properly, they sort of, in Michigan, they tap into the vehicle and they sort of change the software, which I like the idea of, ultimately, because you can fix it remotely. Um, a, a company's doing that now with these sort of semi-autonomous features, or, or is that the way you're doing it in testing? Um, well, it's a... Good question. Uh, <laughs> right now, it, it, it's very limited. I mean, Tesla, you know, is is you know, is doing it a lot. There's a little bit of fit going on um, in you know with some vehicles, but not not much yet. Okay. But it you know you guys know the the design cycle of cars right. you know as well as anybody. It there everybody is headed that way now, but it takes so long right. for a car company to pivot in this way. So they're, they're doing it in, in pieces. They're doing, uh, uh, I forget what the, the term they're using is. They're kind of doing it in zones. They're, they're not going all in initially. They're doing uh, clusters of, you know, components or features are being updatable, you know, but not, you not know, all together. It is, is it, are we going to end up with the uncrashable car? Is is this is it just a myth? I mean, everybody says Volvo is like zero accidents by this date, and is, is this really going to happen? I'll take that challenge. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not going to happen. Um, you know, now could cars get better than people? Absolutely, and you know, they 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 will be there soon. I, I'm guessing. Um, not really guessing, I believe, but. Um, Uncrashable. I mean, there's always going to be hardware failures or software failures. There's, I mean, uh, an infinite number of corner cases that can, that, you know, haven't been even thought of yet, you know, right. that, you know, and then you think there's how many, what's the official car, what they call car park, all the vehicles in the world today, there's uh, 6 billion or 600 million. I, I forget the number. Well, it takes about 30 years for those vehicles to uh, kind of wear out and go away right. you know, to completely flip that. So even if today every car company only sold autonomous vehicles, there'd still be non-autonomous, you know, old school vehicles right. and old school drivers for another 30 years. So we are a long, long, long uh, ways away from 
you know, being in that uncrashable uh, world. You, it's interestingly enough, you've brought up something that uh, I've never heard an argument before, and that is super interesting. So even if Volvo produced an uncrashable car today, um, you still got to go through the life cycle of what's left um, ultimately with uh, all these car companies. Um, and that to me is, is super interesting. Um, let's talk about, you know, these near field sensing. Uh, is it more important than long range sensing, the 100 foot versus, you know, the 50 foot versus, you know, how far ahead we're looking? Because I know Nissan are always telling us they look two cars ahead or three cars ahead. Um, what what matters? What what should we care about? Um, we should care about both. But think about, this. you know, long range sensing is, you know, when you're at, at speed, you know, highway driving or, um you know, thoroughfares that have a, you know, 50, 50 mile an hour speed limit or something like that. The bulkier driving is in slower, close, close in quarters, you know, pulling into your garage, pulling into a parking lot, driving in the city next to other objects. You know, think about the, the time you're close to other objects that could interfere with you is, you know, probably a hundred to one. Right. you know, compared to the long range sensing. So yeah, it's uh, far more important at the end of the day, the industry, the focus, the self-driving industry, you know, their, their initial focus has been like, okay, how do I get this thing to operate on the roads in a, in a good way, you know? And um, so that was all about long range sensing at, at first, you know, when it came to LIDAR, everything's Oh, I can see 100 meters. Now I can see 200 meters. I can see 300 meters. And that was important so that you had enough time, or the car had enough time to figure out what to do and that. So that was the initial focus for self-driving vehicles. And now it's uh, for self-driving vehicles and ADAS that that focus is coming in more and more near field. And... Uh, uh, near field sensors, you know, the old school stuff like the ultrasonic sensors on your bumper and short range radar and RGB yeah. cameras are great and they're cheap, but they don't do a whole lot. Yeah. You know, apart from ultrasonic sensor. Yeah. Apart yeah, from save ahead. you having to have your paint repaired, I guess, really. So, so where are you putting your energies right now? Uh, well, we are completely focused on uh, a near-field uh, flash LIDAR. Um, you know, it's, um, it's not totally unique, but what we've done is uh, we've created a LIDAR that works as well as anything else, but it's pretty much an order of magnitude less expensive, and it's fully software-definable. We're the only uh, sensor company out there in the world today that's fully software-definable. So we look at ourselves kind of like... Um, you know, ring cameras, you know, the security cameras in the yeah. door box. Yeah. So at my house, I have a Gen 1 door box, 15 years old, uh, and it works just as well as my newer generation cameras because they keep updating it over the air and adding new features and enhancing the performance and that. So that's the way we see the car going, you know, software-definable vehicles. Ask car questions in the comments anytime. Subscribe to Our Auto Expert on YouTube. Our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of our show 
It's at our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all past shows, see automotive videos, read the insider car stories about your next ride. And it's where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. You'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com. You can also see pictures of Automatic Andy and his oily fingers. His oily fingers this week have been caressing the smooth yet voluptuous body of the Toyota Venza Limited. It's a 2022 model, and it has been soiled by his fingers. You know why I touch everything? Why? Because I learned a trick on TikTok. What's that? You know why the police TikTok. officers they they touch the car when they get to the when they Tell pull you over? Because that way, if the car goes away or if there's an incident or there's a trouble, then they have the cops print on the car. Fingerprint on that. Yeah. So I took yep. that and ran with it, and I just put my fingerprint. So on if everything. there's trouble, your fingerprints on the car. On every single car. You do we know have. that they uh, completely detail a car after you've been near it. Not where I touch it. Within ten feet. No. Not where I. Not <laughs> at all. Not. I guarantee you. Not where I touch it. No. They don't. They don't find that spot. I I am inevitable. You know what I'm saying? They Nick? burn them after you've been in them. They have to. They have to straight destroy them. So I had a good amount of time in this car. And, you know, I'm a positive guy. Everything's great. I get to drive a cool car. That's awesome. The, the, the car is sweet. But... Is it a car? I don't know what it is. It's yeah, a, it, I'm having trouble with this, too. Is it, a, is it an SUV? Is it a minivan? It's like... An, it's a minivan. Yeah, it's a malnourished minivan. And malnourished a, minivan. And a fat... Mini SUV type thing. I don't know where it lives. It does have regular doors, but it's the shape of a minivan. Well, the the segment the front that looks it is, like an SUV. Yeah, it, it walks and talks like an SUV, but runs like a van, kind of like uh. me. So <laughs> it, the segment that it's in is isn't horribly sought after. Van Funkel. <laughs> I want the 2023 Van Funkel. I'd buy that. Uh, it's going up against you the Ford Edge. That. I am Funkel. I'm a Grand Funkel XLE. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, XLE, but all right. So the, it's going up against the Ford Edge and the Nissan Murano. And yes. I mean, and of those three, the Venza, I would say, is superior. But like I said, the segment, not really on people's radar. So um, Toyota, I love you. You make great things. I like your symbol. Um, but excuse me for this. I'm so sorry. Uh, it, there is some cool it's features. It's the only car symbol that really is a cartoon, isn't it? It is. Everybody else's isn't, but theirs is. It's a little bit. Yeah, I got some things. I mean, right. it's great. The Vents is cool. Like, I'm happy I got to drive it. It it got me from point A to B. I looked cool in it. So a lot of a lot of check boxes were checked. I mean, some of the a lot of the standard stuff. It just doesn't set itself out from the competition. Like all the stuff you would expect in a car that you would get. Like some of the the basic, you know, uh, driver assistance. The the fuel economy is great. Um, it's a it's a it's a cool drive. It doesn't have a ton of power, but you can definitely get uphill without a problem. I mean, it's a it's a solid. It's the most Andy solid rates, decent thing. Andy rates vehicles whether they can haul him uphill. Yeah, you can get like there's ample spot for snacks. Yeah, I don't have to. I don't. It doesn't struggle. So it's got some power, and the the gas mileage is, is great. I, I didn't flipped have it to, on his back. It didn't struggle. Yeah, it just lay there like a turtle, and. I mean, I didn't. End, I never had to put gas in it because the the 252 volt lithium ion did its job, so that's great. I have a few questions though, Toyota. Go. So it has a, I think a moonroof is what or sunroof, what you would call it. So it doesn't open, but what it does do is frost itself. If it doesn't open. It's a moonroof. 
So this moon roof frosts itself like a cupcake. Yeah. You know yeah. those bathrooms in the UK where you go and shut the door and then you think you're going to have, have a... have them in Florida too. Uh, they would. So they're and all glass. So those people that don't know, they're all, no, they're all glass. They have them in Vancouver, BC too. My hotel had it. And so my hotel bathroom was on the outside of the hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was all glass. So we, when you went into the bathroom naked, everyone in the street could see you. Yeah. Um, but when you lock the bathroom door, the bathroom glass completely frosted over. Boom. It's some kind of chemical reaction. Yeah. yeah. Something. It's electronic. Yeah. And so it does that. Except the batteries don't fail while you're taking a <laughs> yeah, no, no, shower. A shower. Guys, get out, of the, get out of the gutter. So, I mean, that's cool. But why? Like, why, am, why do I need frosted tips? Why do I need Because do I need you that? don't want the sun beating on that beautiful egg. I don't, you know what though? Like there's so many things we could have done, but frost it. Cause you know how frustrating it, I'm not willing to tell you how long it took me to figure out that it didn't open. And the frosting thing was what it was supposed to do. I thought I had broken it. There's your manual. It's in the glove box. I don't even, every time just pull it out too many pages. Um, the other, the other issue that I have yeah. is that it's, it's kind of a twofold one. It's the infotainment center and Ooh. I thought it was good, but okay. no, it's I, I I I digress. I cannot I cannot co-sign on that. So it has, in my opinion, I'm sorry, Toyota. I love you. Keep sending cars, but it's the worst infotainment system. The cameras, it's like a 2002 cell phone quality. It's like from a potato, and it's grainy. It's like 8-bit Super Mario. The plants look like the green spiky clubs, and the sign the sidewalks look like Minecraft blocks. Oh, it's a Minecraft, uh, is what you're saying? So it should, oh, if wow. it was called the Toyota Venza Minecraft, then yeah. yeah, we're in it, of course. But in the in the infotainment center, I don't know. It was in back-to-back-to-back Toyota, so I think it's their problem, not me. Yeah. And when you, when you, when it goes to the, the front-facing camera, yeah. there is a huge blind spot right in, like, in a V shape in the middle of the screen. I don't know if it's the front fascia. I don't know if it's just the interpretation of the camera and what you actually get to see. But in all three back to back to back Toyotas, it had that huge blind spot. And I don't know about you guys. I'm not like Lewis and Clark. I need to use the GPS thing to figure out where I'm going. And when you're, when you're moving along and you're relying on that. Lewis and Clark, you mean using the stars? Yeah. Like Southeast, Northeast. I don't, that's, don't talk to me about that. I'm not Lewis and Clark. I have to tell you, just be a paramedic for a couple of years and if you're a paramedic, I can find my way around Portland without a map. Yeah, you know everything. I use my nose. So, I mean, when you when you drop below, when you get to like six, seven miles an hour, that front-facing camera kicks on. And it's super distractive, and it has a blind spot. So, would I give it the stamp of approval? Unfortunately, no. I can't co-sign this. I can't spend $40,000 <gasps> to uh. not see in front of me and for it to kick on when I'm trying to figure out where to go to get some teriyaki I love noodles. this vehicle. You like the Venza? Yeah. I'll trade you. I thought, for what? My Hyundai. Listen to previous episodes. Watch automotive videos. And discover exclusive content at ourautoexpert.com.
This is our Auto Expert Radio Show on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us, ask us a car question, just direct messages at our Auto Expert, where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. He's an independent analyst and investor. He is probably one of the most leading uh, people in the country when it comes to autonomy, electric vehicles and the business of electric cars, especially when it comes to Europe. Anton Wallman is here. He's going to be here for the next two breaks because time to discuss probably one of the most important pieces of legislation when it comes to automotive uh, and the electric car, the Reduction of Inflation Act. Um, Anton, wading through this, it has become quite a nightmare to try and understand what it's all about. Uh, First of all, uh, it's not very simple, but if you are a certain age bracket, a certain, sorry, income bracket in the United States, you stand to benefit from this, correct? Well, um, you could argue that, but you could also argue <laughs> that if the opposite, which is to say that if you're of a certain income bracket, um, any thought of a federal income tax credit for purchasing an electric vehicle of some sort goes completely out the window if you're a single filer and you make over 150000 well, then it goes out the window. Uh, head of household, 225000 Or if you are a couple, uh, then it's 300000 So that shaves off a portion of the buying public right there. There are other provisions, however, that are completely uh, not only new, but also far harder to discern how they are going to be implemented. And what I mean by that is really how are they going to be defined and how are the agencies, the three, four, and five-letter agencies that have been tasked to implement this new legislation going to choose to conduct such an implementation? For example, how do you define content when it comes to the raw materials that goes into making a battery? Those things uh, may sound easy on the surface, but ultimately there is a discretion that is left to the bureaucracies in, uh, in charge in order to determine how to do it. And uh, their interpretations may take some time to be figured out. I mean, this legislation, is uh, the ink is barely dry on the legislation, and it's going to take until January 1st, I think, until people really get a handle on this. So for the next few months, automakers and their suppliers are going to be lobby as to how this implementation will take place. So not only is this thing um, very difficult to understand uh, because the legislation is inherently so almost ridiculously complex, but it is also not yet truly final, even though uh, you know this has been passed in Congress and the president has signed it. All of that stuff still doesn't mean that the, all, all of the details are final. And that's part of the problem, Nick. So let's just rewind a second. Um, let, and, and I'll explain something, and I think you'll probably agree with me. When there is a new emerging technology, when there is a new... Uh, idea in the world we and and the iPhone's a great example we rely on early adopters to get us over that threshold and there's a threshold a 2.6% of people who are super early adopters who pay huge amounts of money to get involved and then it jumps to around I think 5% or 10% of people who get involved at a lesser price but still fairly expensive and then there's another large jump it's something around 13% of people who are 
uh, the next set of early adopters. And we need that 16% of people before we tip the scales and it becomes more of a mass market thing that uh, everybody gets involved in it. And ultimately, the electric car is not at 16% saturation. So we need these people who have higher incomes and who are more affluent to get involved in electric cars to help these companies really get the production going and, and really boost the whole... Uh, I mean, a lot of companies losing huge monies. A, a perfect example, the Fiat 500 electric. I mean, they lost a fortune on that vehicle when they brought it to market. And ultimately, what this bill does, in my eyes, is sort of scoop that un away from all of these early adopters because those people are the higher income bracket. And what it does is say, by the way... Uh, we're not going to support you at all. We're going to go down to people of a lesser income. So there's no incentive for you to get involved in adopting this technology. Am I right? Yeah, I think that is certainly a part of the description here. But the sheer complexity of it all, I mean, think about it, Nick. You and I are swimming in this information. We read almost everything that comes around. We'll read the actual legislative text as right. it is being drafted in Congress and posted on congressional websites. And you know what, Nick? We are still somewhat confused as to all of the details. So can you imagine how impossible the conversation is going to be when Joe Sixpack walks into your friendly Chevrolet dealer in uh, Randomville, America, and says, you know, do I get a tax credit for this thing? I mean, can you imagine the, what, what, what kind of mathematical process that must set in and people who are, it's going to be the blind leading the blind, Nick. And I am not sure if this is really a positive in terms of trying to uh, actually accomplish something positive for the industry, because at least with a smartphone, it was very simple. You either wanted it, yeah. you were willing to pay for it, yeah. and you bought it, okay? Yeah. Yeah. And, and whether you were an early adopter or not, here we're talking about getting accountants involved. Well, your personal tax situation, sir, is that you have so only so and so many, uh, you know, tax obligations for the preceding tax. I mean, this is is it's like a colonoscopy of of the Olympian proportions. Right. Uh, this is not what you're going to get. In, this is not your dream moment. I mean, getting into a car dealership and go, going through the motions of uh, deciding on whether to purchase this vehicle or not is enough of a pain in the rear for most people. And now you're going to layer an entire you know, IRS examination on top of it. Probably not the best idea. I, I think, and just to tell you exactly how right you are, Anton, um, I was with Hyundai last week um, and launched one of their vehicles and uh, just standing around with four or five of the PR staff uh, talking um, after dinner and mentioned that their vehicles, none of their vehicles would actually be eligible that uh, we, we had there because they weren't, uh, they were definitely outside of the obvious criteria of vehicles and they were all super surprised and they had no reaction. Um, they didn't even know their own vehicles will be ineligible. And that's, you know, this was early yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, think about it, Nick. So so many of their vehicles, I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, that every single vehicle that that group currently produces that have a plug are all produced outside of North America. So, boom, right there, in, ineligible. Secondly, you go to the battery level and look at a percentage of that battery must be made in the United States. Everything they make that would have been otherwise been available, 
boom, out the window. Then you go to layer number three, which is to say the uh, raw materials that go into the battery, uh, where they are sourced and with U.S. free trade partners and so forth, and very few products remain that is that is eligible. Even if you are uh, meeting one or two or even three of these steps, you still may not make it through the Golden Gates. I'm not, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, Anton, that all of that uh, information has, has been readily available, too. I think when Hyundai buys a battery from someone or when X company buys a battery from someone, they don't get a list of where everything is sourced. Um, and, and That's true. No, no, exactly, Nick. But, but this is, I mean, think about this. When the auto manufacturer themselves hardly know whether their vehicles are eligible or not, and you know the gap in information between an auto manufacturer and a dealer, and then between the dealer and a consumer. Yeah. I mean, we've got the blind leading the blind, who are leading the blind, who are leading, leading the fourth layer of blind. I mean, this is just, this is so, this is so beyond comical that I don't even know where to begin. So this is this is going to be an absolute cluster, Nick. Mark my words, and it's going to be so here in just the next small handful of months. So there is obviously quite a reaction from the industry, and this group of automotive electric vehicle manufacturers has now stepped forward, who make about ninety plus percent of all the electric cars on sale in the U.S., and has said this bill hurts; it doesn't help. Do you think that is going to make a difference in Washington? You know, the answer is it might. There is no guarantee because usually the way, the only way to rescue the situation at this point is if the three, four, and five-letter agencies that have been tasked by defining the implementation language are somehow going to be on the side of these petitioners. And there is no way of telling at this point if that is going to be the case, because you uh, should also know that the Congressional Budget Office had to score this bill, and it had to be so-called revenue neutral under certain uh, conditions that were defined in the bill. And you may also further recall that they assumed that only, I think the number was 12,000 vehicles were going to be able to take advantage of this legislation per year. So it's almost like it was built into the actual purpose and the mathematics of the bill that only an, a, a ridiculously small number of vehicles would actually be eligible and to overcome a hurdle that is defined in the very uh, objective of the bill that, that, that tied the numbers together. Yeah. That may just be an obstacle that is too high in this particular instance. So you could see that there is going to be attempts to put out another standalone bill that somehow, you know, put a, puts a Band-Aid on this. But those things are, I mean, the ink is barely dry on this thing, so there's nothing imminent in that regard. And you, know, you, you unless you're paying attention, you know, yeah. you have to realize that there are elections coming up, but yeah. nothing more is going to pass. I mean, there's right. nothing for the next many, many months, if not maybe two, two and a half years. From the Northwest to the Southeast, this is the World's Car Radio Show. Now, here's our auto expert, Nick Miles. Over 20,000 people have downloaded our auto expert podcast. Many more streamers join the happy listeners via the Apple uh, podcast app. 
Hours of Endless Fun await you. I'm Nick Miles with Automatic Andy, and this is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. On the phone, Anton Warman, independent analyst and investor. He's speaking to us from Istanbul. Anton, let's talk about those people who are in the middle or thinking about getting an electric vehicle. Um, now with this new act hovering above their heads, what's the best advice we can give them? I think the number one advice is that don't let these tax credit changes really influence your mind too much because ultimately whatever benefits and whatever disadvantages there may be in your particular personal situation with going to an electric car, a pure electric car, are going to be there regardless of this particular legislation. On the other hand, if you're considering a plug-in hybrid, uh, that's a completely different story because a plug-in hybrid doesn't really have any practical downsides. A pro- plug-in hybrid has one monetary downside, and that is that it's more expensive to purchase. Uh, so you're paying a defined penalty up front, but you're, the advantages that you're getting at least do not need to subs- be subtracted from by any practical considerations because you can drive it any way you want. You can You can plug it in, plug it in, plug it in a little bit, rarely or a lot, five times a day, your choice, but you don't have to ever plug it in. So that should really be your concern as a customer. Taking the jump to a pure electric car uh, is something that is a big step, and uh, this legislation doesn't really change the fundamental equation. But uh, plug-in electric vehicle, well, there's never really been any obstacle there, and there doesn't remain money in the future either. Now, some plug-in hybrids are uh, more eligible under the law because of battery size now, uh, giving the opportunity to actually have a tax credit for the battery that meets a certain size criteria, right? Yeah, so it gets a little bit more complex now than there was. So to the extent that the legislation does uh, make the vehicle you had in mind eligible, which we discussed earlier, is still a very hard thing to figure out which vehicle will actually become available because it goes to such matters as the origin and sources of the battery and its manufacturing and the chemicals that go into the battery and their manufacturing, as well as, of course, in the end, the vehicle itself. This is very, very difficult, but to the extent that you do to get a tax credit, from buying a plug-in hybrid, uh, that's uh, obviously uh, going to be a plus. But uh, to figure out how much it's going to really get here at some point in the next few years, uh, that will remain uh, difficult for the time being to figure out. So two more areas that we should definitely talk about. One, uh, let's talk about the used cars. So now they're eligible. Um, is there any- that's exactly that's uh, that's completely new, Nick. That has just never been the case before. So now apparently you can buy one plug-in vehicle every within every three-year period uh, that would become eligible for up to four thousand dollars worth of a tax credit. So ultimately, then, uh, these vehicles that were being sold, like, let's say, uh, uh, original Nissan Leafs that were up for sale for ten, twelve thousand dollars I mean, ultimately, that technically, if their price doesn't change, that drops their price by around $4,000. That's right, Nick. So that is, that is a clear advantage here. And uh, uh, I think that this is going to be something that... Uh, 
uh, the market will take to heart because a lot of people are considering a very expensive vehicle as a second or third one because you know that while you may have one or two cars that are road trip worthy, you know, one car is mostly driven around the neighborhood. I call it the school, soccer field and Safeway vehicle, which is, you know, it goes uh, five miles here, eight miles there, and is rarely, if ever, driven more than 40 or 50 miles a day. So even a an old relatively short-range electric vehicle could, could fulfill those needs if you live in a reasonable climate so that you're not driving around in you know, Montana in the winter, maybe not so appropriate, but if you're driving around in the uh, smile states, uh, certainly could be a, a very good option for you. And ultimately, then, I think that, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of things changing, but it does also uh, favor uh, American manufacturers um, because Ford and um, General Motors obviously coming back into the fold and, and those companies coming back into the fold, they're highly favored. But one American manufacturer that's probably going to actually get smacked quite hard is Tesla because their battery components are uh, made in China or a lot of the uh, precious metals are likely to come from outside of the United States or outside of one of its trade partners. Yeah, Tesla certainly a mixed bag because on the one hand, many of their batteries are manufactured in uh, Nevada. Uh, it's essentially a Panasonic battery cell that goes into a box that's made by Tesla. And then it goes into what are the chemicals that in turn go into that uh, uh, battery cell that Panasonic manufactures. So these are some of the details that need to be really worked out. Keep in mind though that Tesla, just like GM, is one of the two companies that uh, was, of course, completely out of the old tax credit system. So if you're looking at the incremental change here, uh, you know, Tesla's coming from a point of view of getting zero today. They get nothing, just like GM. So even if they get a little bit for some model, on a net basis, it would actually be a plus for them. And, of course, most of this legislation is geared toward American manufacturing, and that will uh, benefit, I think, some of the other makers, such as Ford and FCA, and even those that are installing good capacity on U.S. soil, such as Volkswagen and Kia and Hyundai, so forth, and, and even Toyota, are going to, over the next three, four, five years, uh, potentially benefit uh, from this legislation. So now the... Get moving forward, you know, there's no unlikely to be any changes. There is um, still a lot of complications of implementation. Do you think that uh, by the end of the tax period, which should be April 15th when everybody's filing next year, um, that they will have everything sorted out? Because by that time, people should yeah, know. Yeah, I think so. Get- I think this is. This is roughly the period that it's going to take. It's going to take us till roughly the end of this calendar year, you know, when, when all the tax guides come out for the upcoming year. This is the period here over the next uh, four, five, six months at the very, very most where all of these implementation details are going to have to be settled. So, yes, we will know by next April uh, pretty much for sure how the interpretations are going to take place. That, I think, is a reasonable time frame, Nick. All right. So uh, as we move forward, then uh, we should get clearer and clearer information and we should just, uh, you know, go um, buy that Jeep 4xe or whatever we were thinking of buying before the end of the year. And uh, we'll, I guess, learn as soon as the government have made their decision on how they're working it out, whether we're going to actually get any money back in our taxes as we would every April 15th. 
That's right, Nick. And I think that uh, some of these provisions are less likely to change. I mean, the income limits are probably not going to be uh, uh, subject to a whole lot of imper- interpretation. But it, all of these sourcing rules and so forth, those are far trickier. And of course, we have the new curveball that you should be able to transfer your tra- tax credit that for which you would have been el- eligible based on the previous year's taxes to the, to the dealer. Those provisions are, are not as self-evident right. as it may seem at first glance. And right. I think that those will also be clarified here over the next couple of months. All right. Anton Woolman is an independent analyst and investor. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. You can check us out on the web at ourautoexpert.com. We're there 24-7 with all the information and the podcast and Automatic Andy. Episodes of the show. Watch automotive videos and get the latest inside automotive info at ourautoexpert.com. <laughs>